Welcome to another episode of the Valera Verdict Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, I'm going to continue on with my Women Appreciation Month podcast series. Throughout the month of December, I will be sharing interviews with women in all different walks of life. Today, I'm sitting down with social science writer, researcher, Kay Smythe. We talked about why she decided to come to America. We also talked about what made her study the human behavior and so much more. This is a thought-provoking, great interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'd like to welcome to the show Kay Smith. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so sorry. My surname is Smythe. <laughs> Smythe. Oh, okay. So let's try that again. Smythe. No, do you know what? Do you know what? Oh. Keep it though, because everyone I know gets it wrong. Like even the first time I think I did Dr. Drew, he got it wrong and I had to remind him like three or four times or something like that. So if anyone wants to marry me and change my surname, I am so down. I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first question I have for you, who is Kay? Where were you born and raised and stuff like that? Oh, wow. Um, so I was born in Singleton Hospital in Swansea, which is a little um, industrial coal mining town in South Wales. Uh, it's one of three cities in South Wales. And, you know, it's great. It's, uh, it's an interesting little town, but... Um, I was born the day before Halloween, so I guess, like, my mom always tells these stories of, like, people would come to visit her in the hospital, like, after she had me, and they'd be in, like, full Halloween gear. Um, like, I think the first time I met my cousin, she came and she was, like, dressed up as a witch. Obviously, I have no recollection of it. But, no, born and raised <laughs> in South Wales, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's a rough little working class town, and I'm a rough little working class girl, and I, I loved it. It was a really interesting childhood. So for those that don't know, what made you come to America from that land? That's actually, like, that's such an interesting question. No one's ever asked me that before. Uh, so I moved here mostly just because I wanted to. I know that sounds ridiculous, but um, as a child, my parents brought me out here and uh it used to be very cheap to travel in america if you were a brit because the exchange rate was very favorable to sterling so i came out here a lot i loved it you know how could you not fall in love with the kind of bohemian open-mindedness peace and love that is california and the central coast and san francisco as it used to be uh so when i was about 11 i was talking to i believe it was my aunt and I said to her, oh, when I, like, when, when I'm a grown-up, I'm going to move to America and I'm going to be a writer and that's what I'm going to do. And she kind of, like, laughed at me and was like, you know, fucking difficult it is. Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? No, you're good, you're good. You're okay, good. okay, good. <laughs> she was like, you know, fucking difficult it is to move to America. And I was just like, I don't care. Um, and so I knew that as an only child that I wanted to make a lot of money. It's very difficult to make a lot of money in the UK. Whereas like if you move to America and you really work, you can achieve greatness in that way. And not like notoriety, not like notoriety greatness, like, you know, stability in that way. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I came here, it was supposed to be a short trip back in 2015. Um, and I guess people just keep asking me to stay. So I do. And I love it. I love America. I think that's like something that a lot of Brits won't admit 
that it's actually a really wonderful country. Like the opportunity here is unlike anywhere else in the world. Like I can move to Canada, I can move to Australia, I can move to all these places in the Commonwealth, but the systems there aren't really structured for individuals. It's structured for society. And somewhat ironically, as a social scientist, who's like a huge proponent of society and community, I didn't want it to be dictated to me like it is in so many of these other countries. So, you know, America, I think, yeah, that's really why I moved here. It was freedom. So, you know, you guys just e export greatness as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> not the Patriot Act, maybe not the war in the Middle East, but you know, other than that. <laughs> other than those things. <laughs> other than a couple, yeah, it's probably like a couple of other things I'm not a huge fan of either, but you know, like I like guns, so that's the main thing. <laughs> So in doing my research about who Kay is, oh, no. one thing that I really found interesting was your attraction to the human behavior. Um, what about that is what you, what, what you decided to kind of fully invest your time into? That's another great question. Um, I always like to say that the careers we choose um, anyone who kind of goes into a non-standard career or pretty much anyone in any career, to be honest with you, you go into that career to fix a problem that you've had since before you knew you had it. So like a lot of people I know who get into medicine have like lost parents prematurely or maybe had like an ailing relative who lived with them or a lot of people I know who get into psychology are completely mentally ill. Um, no, but you know. Like you get into the field to fix the problems that I think you intrinsically have. And I think for me, I got to travel a lot as a child. And so I was very like friendly, never, I've never had an issue making friends anywhere I go. Like I never have any issues just walking up to strangers and forcing them to be my friend. And so I started to see that kind of behavior really decline amongst our generation. Like everyone just started like getting into their phones and it wasn't like, it wasn't about communication and community building anymore it was about like competition and so i think i sort of naturally fell into human behavior and writing about it even before like i did my degree um i wrote a lot about human behavior and how like we can all choose to just be nicer to each other like we can all choose to not make each other's lives harder and usually there's not really much of a sacrifice to make that choice and i was just like Maybe it's because I'm an only child, I don't know, but I was very, very set on everything that I wanted to contribute. I wanted it to make other people's lives better. And so in order to do that, I had to understand what made them tick, which is studying behavior. Um, does that answer the question or did I make absolutely. absolutely No, absolutely, better? absolutely. <laughs> um, another thing what I was looking at um, for me was you're very vocal about the legal, legalization of marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, something I am as well. Obviously, I live in Tennessee, so um, yeah. They'll introduce the bill the first of January. They'll introduce the bill like they do every year, the first of January, yeah. and then it'll be shut down within the first three minutes of the conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh! They're trying I'm a different so approach this year. With it. they're just trying to do medical this year, so it's like, well, maybe we'll just try to do that. Not, but it's there's a zero point zero 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 percent chance that it'll get past the first phase, but. Wow. One thing that I noticed about your work is you're very vocal about it when it comes to our veterans as well, which mm -hmm. I, I, I completely adore the fact that you do that. But 
what made you not just advocate for the legalization of the marijuana of the marijuana i don't know why i said it like of that the but of the marijuana <laughs> it's like professional you smoking the weed <laughs> <laughs> um you like, smoking that devil lettuce uh, the yeah. devil's lettuce that's <laughs> <laughs> um so what so, made you want to get into into that uh so again i i this is so boring, but I've suddenly like realized this is like, like I had a therapy session earlier and this is actually, I think better than it. Um, it's all very Freudian, which I like, but, um, I have pretty, I started smoking pot myself when I was like 13 cause I was like bored and there's nothing else to do in my hometown cause it rains all the time. And like, you know, when you're a kid, you, you try new things and my, father bless him has always been like he's the least judgmental person you'll ever meet and so anytime i would approach him with like a drug's bad he'd be like no 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 mental health issues are bad and people stigmatize drug users because of their mental health issues so you know that's how i was raised and so when i was like 13 and um i'll never forget it was i'm gonna name them because i don't care but it was my friend tom vine and luke reimnitz luke was my one of my first ever boyfriends um, we made a bong out of co a Coca-Cola bottle in another friend of ours house, even though the friends weren't there. Um, and I tried smoking and was like, okay, don't really, don't really fucking care. Went home stoned, obviously really young. Um, and I remember that was the best night's sleep I had had since like hitting puberty. And I, the next day or at some point, like soon thereafter, kind of mentioned to my dad, like, oh, the reason I'm sleeping better is because I discovered marijuana. And he, again, very open-minded towards it. Um, like our local police jurisdiction doesn't really police cannabis crimes because it's like kind of a waste of money and time for them and resources. And so I got into cannabis at a very young age did all the research I could possibly do every, like I bought books on it. I was just, I'm always a nerd. I always go way too hard when I discover something I love and want to know everything about it. And then kind of as a result of that, I would like get into arguments with teachers. I get like, I called it school with weed. And then I would like give weed to my teachers to not be in trouble. <laughs> like stuff like that, you know, like it, it really, you know, I, I got to travel a lot. So like I went to Morocco and so I love Moroccan hash. Anyone that speaks ill of hash is wrong. They're just not smoking the right stuff. Um, I actually think hash is better than weed if it's done well. But um, I, I started working in it more seriously when I started writing about it. So I actually worked my college magazine. I was the editor in chief. I got fired for writing a pro cannabis piece about how important it was for veterans, uh, actually, which was, you know, kind of one of my earlier rock and roll, my, one of my only rock and roll moments, really. Um, I'm really not that cool. And so it was, it was just sort of a natural progression. And it's funny actually that you mentioned Tennessee. So Danny and I literally five minutes ago, were just talking about like, I'm desperate to get out of California. Like this place is terrible. And uh, I guess I've, I've, for some reason I've got my heart set on Tennessee. Not that I've ever been there, but that's my next kind of big trip. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing that it's even on the ticket. That's a really great first step, but we've got to like, I don't know, we're going to have to get like the whole crew out there to start lobbying and start doing, because it's education, right? As soon as people get Absolutely. educated to the efficacy of cannabis, they make the right choice. Like, 
I love this thing all these like businesses out here do where it's like, yeah, we want to start like creating new stoners. We've got to educate people. I'm like, no, 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 no. The way we create new stoners is by finding the pre-existing stoners, teaching them, and then having them teach their loved ones. Like that's how that kind of societal kind of like behavioral health shifts yeah. is by creating like positive communities, like a lot of knowledge, capital, all that kind of stuff. And so I guarantee by the end of this decade, Tennessee is going to have legal weed. They might even do it before it goes federal, but let's pray for federal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I, I feel like there's so much that, that people just automatically think, you know, we joke about the devil's lettuce, but there's a lot of people that really feel that way. Right. You know what I mean? I like really feel oh, yeah. like this is just the, the most awful thing in the entire world. And people don't understand that. It's like, there's a lot of things that it helps. Like you said, sleeping, like when, when I've partook in the past, um, it, it, it does, in fact, you know, it helps me sleep. Like I get a good night's sleep because of it. And it's like that you sleep better. I sleep better because of it. You know what I mean? And that's something, obviously you do need sleep, you know what I mean? And, you know, God forbid, you know what I mean? But it's the lack of education. I also feel like for me, and I'm going to go in a little small tangent, but I feel like it's also a lot of these older individuals that are in charge um, that have been around for hundreds of years. You know what I mean? That's the biggest reason why, because 60 years ago, it was the devil's lettuce. Now it's like, it was, nobody was educated on the way they are now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like people lack the, the urge to educate themselves on things. Like you said, when you stick your mind to something, you want to learn everything about it instead of being a closed book, like, Oh, marijuana. Yeah. I'm just, all right, there's that. And then just, that's how you feel about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, like, in your kind of community, is there any kind of general knowledge on the pros of cannabis? Because, I, again, I the friends that I speak to who are currently out in Nashville, they're all California transplants. So, you know, they're used to seeing the men's yeah. billboards and kind of give a shout out to Kingston Royal. And uh, a lot of the, like, Edipure, like, all these different amazing brands are, like, very normalized. But do you find that there's, like, literally no kind of general knowledge out there? Because that would be, yeah. It's one of the That's big things. The this is, I can do. It's, a, it's very much a hardcore, old-school church Republican state. That's what Tennessee is, right? You know what I mean? And in certain ways, that's good. And then there's other ways where it comes to new things. You can't teach an old dog new tricks here, right? You know what I mean? That's, it, it's a cheap old adage, but it's a fact here. I, and I mean, it is what it is. You know, I've lived in Tennessee for like uh, 10, 12 years or something like that, you know? So I understand that that's what the problem is. It's a very old school style church place. Now there's certain areas where they uh, decriminalize the possession and stuff like that in like Nashville, the Nashville area they have, but I understand that, but that's just not enough. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of benefits because of marijuana and it's the lack of education though. I would agree. Yeah. And hopefully, well, the more that people like you and hopefully me, I don't know, have these kinds of conversations, the more that will kind of, yeah, get normalized. Cause I guarantee the minute the legalization does happen, like I, okay. So let me backtrack a bit. I do this thing where I, when I travel, like particularly when I go to Europe, uh, if I, like I was in Italy a couple of years ago um, to promote a music video I was in, completely unrelated. Uh, and 
I don't have any weed. So I literally just walked into the center in like this, uh, I guess like this square then in the middle of Milan and just shouted at the top of my lungs, can someone sell me some fucking marijuana? <laughs> and like 10 people walked up to me and they were like, yeah, absolutely. What can we help you with? And I now have a regular delivery guy in Italy. Exactly and, well. you know, it was like 10 people from 10 different demographics entirely. Yeah. And, you know, none of them were shady. They weren't like dangerous people. Like, who do you want to bump into at the end of the night? A bunch of drunks looking for a fight or a bunch of stoners looking for biscuits, you know, like it's as simple as that. And I'm, I'm sure as soon as legalization does happen, the number of people who are going to come out the woodwork, the number of people who are going to be gobsmacked that they're like mums and dads smoke weed, I think is going to be like, I'm so excited for that. I think that's going to be a, 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 like a lovely bonus gift that comes along with cannabis legalization. It's always the weird ones where you're like looking at like, no, they're 1000% against it. And they're just like closet potheads. They're, they're my favorite <laughs> kind, you know, they're the ones that would be willing to share with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Like, ask them about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to like go into like, like, uh, like run into like an old school teacher of mine that I just did not, you know, that would be awesome, right? You'd like, he's just a pothead. Yeah. Oh, that's how you dealt with all of us kids in school. Like, well, I was going to say, like, I remember, I shouldn't name him because I think he's still a teacher. In fact, I think he's like a, like a principal now, or like we call them headmasters. Uh, and I'm not even going to, he was, he was not my head of year, but he was like, he was a very influential teacher in my life. Like I like to blame him for most of what I've ended up doing with my career actually and my degrees and things like that. But I remember he had to, for some reason, like some, someone grasped on me or snitched on me in school for like having weed or whatever. And I remember him going through my bag, stopping, looking at the weed. I'm there looking at him, looking at the weed. And obviously like he was a guy. So we had to have a woman, like a female um, teaching assistant or something in the room. Uh, so, you know, I didn't get molested and all that kind of shit, but, um, he looked at it. I looked at him looking at it. I'm pretty sure she saw everything as well. And he just went, yeah, okay. I knew that you would never do anything wrong. And that was that. And I was just like, see, see, and that's why I ended up doing my freaking degree on it. Like I ended up working out here, consulting in it. And I still do like Danny and I, well, Danny probably more so than me at this point. Uh, my amazing co-host. Uh, for the case my show and for pretty much everything I do in life but um he and I you know we both try to at least stay abreast of the industry and you know yeah you're right like you would be amazed the people out here who have even just started smoking pot like oh I tried it in the 60s but like I wasn't really sure and now all these like cool brands have come out and you know <laughs> it's so cute like you know who doesn't want to like sit around and get stoned together? Exactly. <laughs> like I have no desire at my age to get drunk anymore. Like I did that. I had my days where I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I just don't care anymore. Like let me just enjoy an occasional joint or an edible or a brownie or whatever. And just, you know, melt into my bed and go to sleep every night. Like it's come on, Tennessee. Right? Come on, Tennessee. It's okay. We'll get them. We'll get them. We'll keep doing shows like this and eventually, exactly. it'll, yeah, I'll start getting published and stuff out there. I'll just be like, listen, Tennessee, I know you love God, but so do I. God loves marijuana. Exactly. He grew it, right? You know what I mean? There we right. go. You're anointed with hemp oil and shit? I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect segue for my next question. One thing okay. that I, I, I've taken to appreciation in this time are people that are outspoken, but outspoken without fear. This is the one thing that I admire about you because 
you don't, you're not exactly afraid to speak your mind on certain situations. And I'll talk about one in a minute, but have you always been that way? Yeah. My mom used to call me Contrary K. That was my nickname as a child. Um, or Chaos was another one. Uh, I just like, I'm sure if I was, this is going to sound awful and it's a joke, but not really. I would say if I was born 10, 15 years later, I would have been diagnosed with like autism or ADHD or one of these things that, well, autism is real, but ADHD, I think is just like childhood. Um, like kids are fucking mental. What do you expect? Like kids are fucking crazy. ADHD yeah. isn't a thing. Like let them be crazy. Uh, but no, yeah, I've always been very outspoken. Um, my dad used to do this thing where he would, if I ever asked him a question like, Oh dad, how does this work? Or what does that mean? He would teach me how to work out the answer for myself. And so if I was ever presented with data, whether it was by a teacher or like, even in like books or out in public actually for a while when I was a teenager and thought anyone cared about my opinion. Um, if I ever heard anything where I was like, that doesn't fucking make sense. Like, I just can't like, what's the point in having a filter in those situations? Like, I think it's also very normal where I come from. Like Welsh women are very outspoken. Like we are the matriarchs, like, don't get me wrong. Welsh men are incredible, but they can be a little bit soft. Even the rugby players, like behind every strong Welsh man is a fucking Welsh dragon lady. Um, and so I was raised around a lot of really powerful women, which made things easier. Like my mom is the last person I would ever fuck with. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to like scare people, but I've always had, I've always been given a lot of freedom to say and think how I feel. And also like, I hate to say it, but like out here, especially, I think I get a lot of leeway because I'm a woman, because I got blonde hair, blue eyes, because I got white skin. And I think, I think it's a lot easier for people to just not argue with me. I think that's the only way I've been able to get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's the thing. Like we talked about this on uh, just messaging here and there. Um, but for me, it's, it's very important to use um, our platforms to bring people together. Um, for me, especially like during the election, what I did was, is I, I interviewed Republicans, Democrats, it didn't matter, independents across yeah. the way. I put them on the show together and I was like, look, the ground rules are this. We don't argue, we don't fight here. You say your opinion, you say your opinion, we understand why you agree to disagree. That's the difference with society now is nobody wants to agree to disagree or have that conversation. Yeah. Because on, on the night of the election, I did a seven hour broadcast by myself. Um, I had guests on throughout the entire show and my and, and the, throughout the entire show, I had independents on, Republicans on, Democrats on. That's the like when you watch CNN, you watch MSNBC. I, I don't watch news. I refuse yeah. to watch the news. I, I just I don't want to. I don't care what they say because all it is is dividing us in half. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. We can agree to disagree. But I interviewed these people, gave them a platform to say, "This is why I'm voting for this person." This is mm -hmm. why, this is why I believe whether it was a black Republican that supported Trump, whether it was a white person that supported Trump, it didn't matter. Or as somebody that supported Joe Biden, you know what I mean? I didn't care what the division was like. I just wanted to have the conversation. Good for you. That's hard to find in this. Yeah. Like you said, it just doesn't happen in the mainstream news media anymore. Exactly. So that was what I was trying to do with the difference. And now the question to you is how is it, how important 
to you is it to use your influence to help others oh it's exclusive like it's the only reason i do anything like i love like my day job is uh getting people through their phd dissertations and i get to consult with all of these brilliant academics who for whatever reason are getting stuck with their studies and i will say when when you are in a group of people and you're working towards a collective goal like your personal opinions the way you choose to live behind closed doors the way you choose to vote doesn't really come into the equation and i've been lucky enough and you know also i guess i've worked very hard um to be surrounded by people who are way fucking smarter than me uh and i will say the kind of more the higher you get up the intellectual ladder and i say this as like you know i'm not just saying like you've got to have a phd like danny barely graduated from high school he's 10 times fucking smarter than me um and it fucking does my head in no um but you know the higher you get up that ladder of understanding how the real world works and what is actually like important like have you been fed have you showered have you made enough money have you you know checked in on your loved ones and their health like when you understand that that's like what's really important how other people choose to live just kind of falls by the wayside and i feel like at least for me personally i got to that stage really young in life like if you wanted to be like i remember the first time i met a transgender person i was again very young because no one like that that judgment didn't really exist um and i remember being like someone being like oh well you know i'm not actually a woman i'd be like okay like but we're not we're not talking about that we're talking about like i don't even remember what we we're fucking talking about probably like climate change at that point knowing me um and i think like i even said this oh god it's so funny i said this in therapy earlier i was like the definition for me of unconditional love is not bringing any pain into anyone's life and i just want to unconditionally love everyone whose life i come into now <laughs> like that's how i want to live as an adult is not to bring that kind of pain and yeah when you judge people you cause them pain yeah, for no absolutely. reason absolutely. like how they live doesn't affect you mm -hmm. like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i was it's funny we, i just watched that happiest seasons movie the other day on hulu fantastic movie and and it's you watch the parents you know they're worried about being judgmental of be of coming out right and it's like for me and that's like part of the you know living in tennessee that's the other side of it you know what i mean it's you know oh my god you're gay or oh my god you're trans you know what i mean it's like what people do like you don't have to understand it right yeah you don't, you don't have to you can you can say okay that's your thing I, I don't understand but i'm going to respect that and we don't have enough of that in this world like i don't understand why two guys would want to kiss i don't understand that but that's their thing right you know what i mean that's yeah two girls same thing i don't understand it but you know what more power to you i support you i support mm -hmm. your decisions i you know what i mean like it's Nobody's willing to agree to disagree instead of just being like, oh, well, my God says this is how it should be. And that's, yeah, you know, I, I, that's what, I, like, again, it's, it's, it's something that I appreciate about you is, is you're very vocal in that and in, in saying, I, it's as stupid as it sounds, love is love. Like, yeah. let somebody love whoever the hell they want to. Exactly. And like, I, we had a huge thing out here over the summer with, um, like a new law came to pass which was something like it was basically 
this thing that was being described publicly as like legalizing pedophilia, but it wasn't. It was essentially like a 14 year old could legally, it was something like, oh, like uh, if you're in like a relationship, like a 16 year old could have sex with like an 18 year old and like, right. it's all, which is how it is in the UK, right? Like if there's a certain gap between like you, age gap between you and your partner, yeah, okay, you can get pulled up on statutory rape, but like you're fucking not. And there were issues with that back in the 2010s, I guess. And so the way that I broached discussing that kind of new law, especially with, um, you know, my more conservative American friends was at least for me personally, you can think, feel, say anything you want and I'm never gonna judge you. The minute you act on those thoughts and feelings and hurt another, that's when you need to go fucking die. And, you know, I think that, I mean, maybe this is a bad example. I do think all pedophiles should be like lined up and shot. But, you know, when it comes to, yeah, like being a homosexual or, you know, being transgender or like, for God's sake, like being a Republican or a Democrat or being, yes. you know, like choosing to self-designate or having a, a norm that's norm to you and inside of you, like that doesn't have any effect on another person. So that other person can't fucking judge you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and then obviously that argument completely falls down when it comes to the topic of abortion. <laughs> that's not it. Um, so, you know, that's the one area where, again, I'm like, I think abortion should be legal. Would I have one? No. Like, but I think it should be legal. It's like kind of that weird middle ground where it's like, I don't same. want my rights to restrict your rights. I say, it's funny. I say same, but at the same time, I am a male and <laughs> I should not have the dictation of saying what you can or cannot do to your body, whether I was involved in the process or not. I'm sorry, I, I, that's a somewhat controversial stand, but I don't care, that's just who I am. And, and I mean, you know, I wish it, more felt that way too, honest with you. A lot easier, a lot easier. Exactly, like, it, but that's the thing, like, again, it's one of those, it, it all takes back to just that old school mentality. You can't teach an old dog a new trick. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is my last serious one, then I've got a couple fun ones before we go. That's so fun. I love it. Why don't we take climate change more seriously? We haven't figured out a way to monetize it yet, and because a fuck load of people are going to die. Like, I think this is the one thing where, oh, God, that's the, this is the best fucking question. Sorry, I love talking about climate change. No one ever wants to talk to me about climate change. Okay, so like the reality when it comes to climate change is like, yeah, it's happened before. The climate changes. That's what happens as we move around the sun. Like there's this thing, I don't want to bore people with like- No, please shit. go into details. <laughs> oh my God, it's all my boring <laughs> physics shit right now. Um, but no, it's like a very normal thing that happens, but it happens over hundreds of thousands of years. Like our last ice age occurred when, um, I believe it was the ice sheets that were atop of Canada burst through the Hudson Strait, um, which kind of carved out those incredible, like, you know, left the Great Lakes, carved out those incredible valleys that we see in the um, Atlantic Northeast. And all of that cold water kind of rushed into the North Atlantic and it was clean water, fresh water. I'm sorry if anyone has seen um, An Inconvenient Truth. I'm basically just reiterating that shit. 
but it cut off the Gulf Stream, right? So the whole of the Northern Hemisphere went back into an ice age. And so we're now discovering how the Sahara Desert, for example, was a lush tropical rainforest. Like, how fucking cool is that? But now it's not because all of the kind of cold retreated and the, uh, well, at least Britain is still going through even some of the uplift that happens once an ice sheet leaves. So climate change is constantly happening around you. Like whether you want to, believe in it or not is up to you the fact that i think a lot of people don't want to address and this comes from most of the climate scientists i work with the fact of the matter is a there are way too many of us like if we wanted to actually reverse climate change we'd all have to go vegan right now we would all have to every single individual would have to plant something like two thousand trees um a lot of the damage and certainly a lot of the environmental degradation that we've done in like fucking with water courses, things like that. Like that's, that's done. Like we've got to wait for mother nature to repurpose that shit. However she thinks is best. Um, but I think the reason that people don't want to admit that climate change is real or really do the work from a macro perspective is very much just the fact that like, we are now in the position of having to adapt. And if we really want to adapt, it's literally going to be like testing Darwinism. Like this is survival of the fittest. And so a lot of people don't want to admit that. And then I was actually having a conversation about this with uh, one of my clients the other day, and I hope she's okay with me talking about it, but the climate change educational path. And this is one that I've obviously gone down myself within my degrees and, you know, subsequently working with PhD candidates every day. It's a very male dominated industry and it's not pleasant for women trying to get into it. Like I would say that the gender bias that occurs in environmental protections that occurs, you know, it's, it's a lot of very, it's so a lot of people who like want to scream about like morals and ethics instead of saying like, Hey guys, so <laughs> I don't think anyone realizes how much fucking trouble we're in. And like, I want to come at this from a perspective of like unconditional love. And like, there are ways that we can manage this and we can move forward better together. But you know, dude, like the, the numbers are there. Like it doesn't matter if, even if we stop polluting, like today, if we went out and killed out, like if we only killed all the fucking cows, which is like the first thing we need to do, not transport, we can keep using transport and it wouldn't have a fucking impact. But if we went out and killed all the cows, um, it would still take a few thousand years for that real carbon and certainly the methane levels to dissipate. The ozone is fucked. Um, and so even though this sounds really dark and miserable, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think like the reason that people don't want to engage in it, the reason that people don't want to really focus on it is because we've gone too far. Like there's nothing, like it sounds really awful. It's like, there's not really anything we can do at this point, like really, really to fix this. So I think it's just going to be a case of like a lot of poor people are going to starve. Uh, a lot of people who live on coasts are going to drown. And um, once the planet does all of that to us, which we more than deserve, uh, we'll see Absolutely. where we're at. Yeah. And the other fun thing is like, as soon as Greenland just like slips into that North Atlantic, like we're going to be under an ice sheet in less than a decade. And we're just like, we've just ignored that. We've just ignored sure. that it's happening. 
it blows my mind because like i don't i'm not well equipped to have an intelligent conversation about climate change i've i've watched documentaries and that'll be a question in a minute but i've watched documentaries i've i've watched youtube videos and you hear people i just can tell by the seasons i don't we don't have seasons anymore like it the first day it snowed was was yesterday in in tennessee we, oh my God. It, and it was barely a dusting but like we don't it, it there's no seasons anymore it's there's no spring summer fall it just it gets cold and then one minute it's 90 degrees like the other day it was 85 and then the high was 37 on monday like sunday to monday it was like 85 the high 37 is the high the next day like you can't tell me that's normal it's not you know what i mean no. like no <laughs> it's, it's just it's just not you know and you wonder why people get a lot of sick and, and there's allergies and all those it's it's so there oh by the way the 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 weather in tennessee if you ever it, it changes by the hour you know what i mean it's you know what i mean very similar to britain it doesn't get warm but it does change by the hour literally yes. i think that might be me i'm so sorry no it's okay uh, okay sorry and, um, and so just a quick question about that what can people so people that are currently rolling their eyes at us or whatever or the ones that are open-minded that are willing to learn name two or three things that they could watch or read to maybe understand a little bit more do you know what i'm actually rereading it's a bit of an old book um so i think some of the data might be well there'll be new data out that's better but um i'm reading this great book that i read as often as i can called the world without us i believe it's by alan weissman uh and it's essentially like they, they did a docu-series on it i think on like the history channel or something but the the theory is if all the humans left the planet right now, how long would it take for the planet to reclaim itself and like get rid of all remnants of human existence? Turns out it's not that much time at all. It's like less than 10,000 years. And so what I think is kind of cool or the older I get and the more data that I dig up in relation, like I was terrible at history. So I've like just started getting like more into history. But the more data I kind of dig up, the more I'm like, oh shit, we probably reached this level of peak growth before, and then we've been knocked back down, and then we build back up again. And so, like, I don't know. I, I think it would be kind of cool. I don't know. I'd be interested if anyone like has read it or has any comments. But like, I'm almost at the point where I think like, shit, like maybe before the Romans, it wasn't actually like as tribal as we all thought. Like there's little things like that where I'm like, this planet really knows how to take care of herself um, when we're not around. So that that was one of the best ones because that I think really shows how insignificant we are as a species um, in terms of time. And I think it's a good one for giving people a better perspective of time. I'm sorry if you thought the planet was created 6,000 years ago. Maybe it was, but it wasn't. Um, and then the other one that I always say is the I mean, an inconvenient truth has held up so well, but I actually tell a lot of people to watch The Day After Tomorrow because- Also what, terrifying. Oh, terrifying, but like so good. But that's what to expect, right? Like whenever someone says to me like, oh, what's like climate change really gonna do? And I'm like, well, when Greenland sinks into the North Atlantic, have you seen The Day After Tomorrow? Because it doesn't happen over a weekend, but that's what happens in less than 10 years less than a decade so Greenland's like just all of the ice just slipped off into uh yeah the north atlantic right now we would be under an ice sheet by 2030 and 
Like, I think when you see Jake Gyllenhaal really live through that, I mean, how can you not pay attention? Yeah. I remember seeing, it's stupid, but I remember seeing that movie. I came out of the movie theater and like the sky was like purple or something. And I was like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end right now. Like we're, it's, it's happening right. It was, you know what I mean? You just, it's like, you know, you come out of a theater after seeing it and you see a balloon outside. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, cool. shit. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for me to go. <laughs> it's like every time I watch, uh, like I just watched, um, I'll be gone in the dark on HBO. And uh, yeah, I'm convinced that I'm gonna get like murdered by a guy who like breaks into my apartment now. Like, obviously I just see serial killers everywhere now. <laughs> exactly. He's like, yep. Yeah. Oh, I point him out all the time. Like you look at a van and it could be the most normal van in the world. And it's like, no, there's, there's somebody in that van. Like there's somebody, I know. <laughs> I've seen the movies, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We're gonna have to sue the entertainment industry eventually for like mental distress. <laughs> exactly. To start paying us back for all the years of Right. Um, <laughs> uh, something you've learned throughout this quarantine. Ooh, um, something I've learned throughout this quarantine. Shit, that's a good one. Uh, actually, I've learned how to way better. My relationship with my family is so much better as a result of this quarantine. Like, I think it took the government saying, like, you can't leave safely and return safely for me to be like oh shit i'm very far away from these people and i don't know when i'm gonna be able to see them again and i didn't realize how you know because as an only child you just pick up fuck off around the world you know I just, I just, i've never done anything different like i i'm pretty young i literally haven't ever lived in a different way and so now yeah, I've, I've learned so much. I have such a fucking respect for my parents' marriage. Like, I used to kind of be, you know, I used to make jokes like, oh, yeah, they should definitely get divorced. And now I'm like, oh, shit, the fact that they've actually stuck to get, like, they're best friends, you know? And so I think, at least for me, it's allowed me to kind of move forward in a way that my personal life feels just way more like wholesome and chill. Like I worry so much less about, um, yeah, everything that kind of plays into your personal life. Like as long as you have people around you who love you, like who fucking cares? Like it's as simple as that. But yeah, I, I think I've just learned, I've learned to really respect and appreciate them more. I should tell them that. I'll just send them this episode, it's fine. <laughs> I need you to look, there's the 37th uh, minute mark could you please yeah. listen to that part like, mom dad please validate me uh, <laughs> still um, but no they have they're fucking brilliant like they're having so much fun they're just chilling out like it's so inspiring I'm so proud of where I come from yeah that's awesome um, yeah that's cool that's cool man that's a great question again these are brilliant <laughs> Should be working for someone like I mean I was about to say like my favorite network right now is actually the Daily Wire but mostly because I like to listen in and agree and disagree with like they just moved here right? yeah they all just moved to Nashville yeah, yeah. and um, Tommy Lahren's there now like yeah. everyone's been to Nashville. <laughs> Describe K in one word. Danny. Um, I... That's such a good question. I don't even know. Describe K in one word. Um, 
loud no <laughs> like this is there yeah, this is when like my therapist's gonna call me like i saw your interview you're so much nicer than that <laughs> right um no i think like i think like chaos was a really good one that like worked a lot when i was younger i'm actually like pretty boring i think the older i get but i do thrive in chaotic environments like really thrive in chaotic environments so Right. maybe chaos maybe i don't know yeah fun I, I hope fun i try to be as fun as possible as often as possible okay all right so here's the uh my favorite question to ask everybody i interview directors i interview actors i interview everybody this is my favorite question I and one day i'm gonna, I'm gonna, spice, <laughs> I'm gonna spice them all together one day and i'm gonna tag her in this but what is your Super favorite Taylor Swift song. Oh, um, never, ever, ever getting back together. I listen to that song all the time. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but that is the easiest question to answer. Oh. That song is so much fun. And I've like, I've been listening to it a lot this week. Um, and I just love the bit like in the middle where she's just like, I'm just like, oh. like, she's like one of those. And I'm just like, girl, I freaking get it. Yeah. It's like, you get like the whiny text and it's just like, fuck off. Like you, like do you not realize how much you fuck me around? Fuck you! It's like that that moment when you know it's it's a great fucking feeling, and I think she nailed it in that song. I love it. I did like Weird. that as well, though. I thought oh, that was fantastic. Great. She's great live too. She's a great live, fantastic live. Yeah. When concerts are allowed again. What, what it was? What is a concert? I forgot. <laughs> I know, right? What is anything anymore? <laughs> I was interviewing um, my friend uh, last week, uh, who's in a, an industrial metal band, Alexis Minkola from uh, Three Teeth. And he was like, yeah, I think we're going to have to like get vaccinations to go to shows. And I was just like, so I get VIP, yeah? Because no. <laughs> Exactly right. I better get I better backstage passes to every concert ever. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, I guess I'm never seeing live music again. But no. not that I'm an anti-vaxxer, but like, come on. I don't want to tail in six months. Um, right. <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to be the first one at the back. Um, no thanks. Uh, where can, <laughs> where can I just we... pictured me with a tail the next time we <laughs> you. I'm just like, dude. I get around the back. So nice. <laughs> I start saying nice things about people with tails. Like, what is going on? Okay, the world's really coming to an end, guys. Like, let's, let's cut it off. All right. Um, oh, it's so funny. Where can we find Kay? Tell everybody where, where we can find you. We can find me. Um, so it's at Ksmy. That everything says so K A Y S M Y T H E. Uh, thanks, mum and dad, for that one. Um, so at Ksmyth at everything, Ksmyth.com. And then uh, Danny Ho and my amazing co-host on the Ksmyth show, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. I'm trying to think what the other one is. I'm going to get in trouble because I've forgotten. Um, but yeah, it's K if you Google me, you'll find me. That's what I always like to say. But yeah, the K-Smythe show is the big one I'm trying to push people towards right now. I'm trying to get those views up. Um, now that we're off KABC. But uh, yeah, K-Smythe, at K-Smythe, everything. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh my gosh, thank you. This was so much fun. I would love to come back anytime. We're going to have to get you on our show as well. Yeah. I would love to hear. I want to hear about the seven-hour live stream. That's what I'm most excited by. Like, I I obviously sit in front of a computer all day, every day. But if I had to sit in front of a computer and talk all day, every day, like, 
You're a god amongst men. <laughs> thank you, but, uh, Thank you so much. Have a blessed night. <laughs>